I was praying last week after Sunday. I was going into Monday and I was kind of going, Lord, what, what am I supposed to talk about next week? And, um, and I have to be honest with you, I can't remember if, because I was thinking about this in this morning, I can't remember if the Lord gave me the scripture before I saw something or after I saw something that came to me. So, so I'll be honest with you with that one. But I was driving out to Gravestones on Monday to collect our grandson. And uh, I saw a farmer taking sheep out of the back of a van or a trailer thing and putting it up into a field. Not something you see in Crumlin every day. You have to go out towards Greystones to see that kind of stuff. But, um, and so like I said, I'm not sure if it was just before that or just after, but Psalm 23 was what came for today. And I've been really looking at it over the week. And, uh, and I had one part of it which I thought was the amazing bit, and I'll, get, I'll share that bit with you now. But there's another part in it that's equally just as amazing. If, if we take it on. So let me, let me, let me read it to you. Um, oops, sorry. It's, it's a fairly familiar sound. Everybody, most people would nearly be able to quote it, even if they went to church cars, because it's just one of them sounds everybody knows. And there was a song even we used to sing when, years back in church too. Um, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, I just pray that um, even as, as we start to try and unpack your word, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will speak through me, that you will give me the words that you once said, and that what's of me will just fall to the ground. But Lord, I pray your word is living and active and sharper than a noble-edged sword. It, it changes lives because it's real. And I pray that this word changes our lives, including me, Lord. I pray that this word says something to us, <coughs> connects with something inside of us in our past, present, and future, and that you help us to um, just live our lives in a way that's just more like Jesus and, and just brings more glory to you, just like that song we were singing, Lord. Fill our lives and let it just glorify your name. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Because it's a short morning, I get like longer to preach, don't I? Yeah? <laughs> Smaller crowd? No. Um, so the Lord is my shepherd. And I was thinking of shepherd. Because I was thinking, do you know when we think of shepherd? Well, when I think of shepherd in Ireland, I think of one man and his dog. The TV show used to be on. And that's what clicked with that, with that farmer I saw the other day. Because he had a dog out on, on the road driving the sheep. So the sheep are all at the leg in it out the back of this trailer. And then the dog is running around. He's whistling, whatever it is. And the dog is catching the sheep and he's pushing them all in. And he gets them all to go into this little narrow gate and up they go up into a field. And that's the program we used to watch on telly years ago. There'd be one man and he'd have a few sheep. It was a bit like Babe. Did you ever see the movie Babe? Only he hadn't got the little sheep walking along in lines behind him. Um, and and most, most Irish people I know of, when they think of a shepherd, that's what they think of. They think of somebody who has a stick and who has a dog and who drives sheep ahead of them. And in reality, in, in the times that this would have been wrote, 
Shepherds would not have drove sheep. They would have led sheep. They would have had a relationship with the sheep, which sounds ridiculous, but they actually lived with the sheep. They slept out in the wilds protecting the sheep. They, every sheep in his flock had a name, and he would call them by name, and the sheep would come. Not the rest of them, just the one. Harry, come over here. That sheep would come. Um, and the rod and the staff, there was the, the staff was the big stick, and that was about protecting the sheep from the bears and the wild dogs and the cats and anything else that would have been eating it. The rod was to give the sheep a clatter if he wasn't behaving himself. And the way they used to do it is they'd whack the sheep on, his, on the knuckle of his front leg if he wasn't behaving. And then they would have olive oil and they'd rub the olive oil in then for to heal it after he hit it. But the sheep learned to do what he was told and he was kept in line. But he was protected by the shepherd. And the shepherd would set up a, a corral around the sheep and then he would actually lie across. He would be the gate. And that's when Jesus even talks later on in the Gospel of Jared, where Jesus said, like, like, my sheep know me. They know my voice. They, I know my sheep and they know me. And I am the gate. Like, he was the way in and out. And he is the way in and out. And when he's talking about sheep, he's not talking about dumb animals that are getting driven by a dog. He's talking about animals that were loved, that were cared for, that were called by name. And, and while it mightn't be the greatest... Um, it mightn't feel like the greatest compliment of the world to be called a sheep. But in essence, what he was talking about is that you are, if you're, we're part of his flock, then the Lord is our shepherd. And he leads us and he watches out for us and he minds us. Um, and he makes us to lie around green pastures. And green pastures are great. That's just like when things are going rosy. Life is good. So they, they found some field somewhere nice and the sheep were safe. And there was no one trying to bite them or kill them or anything like that. But it's the next bit. Um, occasionally beside quiet waters, okay? And he restores my soul. How many times has he restored our souls when it was shattered? And he just does, right? But here's the best bit, I think. It's like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And in them days, that was a real life place, the valley of the shadow of death. There was a, there was a valley, there was a... I don't know if you ever watched the movie The Lord of the Rings, but there's a place where um, the guy, the king, goes riding into this ravine on his own. And it's like it's just these big, huge cliffs on either side of it. And he's just going down. And you can just see, someone was up on top and threw a pebble, so they'd probably kill him. But if you're in that valley, the sheep go through because the shepherd is minding them. And the bit, the bit I was thinking was, if we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, the world we live in doesn't really lend itself to killing us. Not where we are because we're Christians. There's people all over the world in different countries who are dying because they're Christians. But here we have challenges, we have problems with work, problems with family, problems with problems in our heads, in our hearts and whatever. All kinds of stuff. And that can be our valley of death. But the reality of it is the Lord brings us through. Now, here's the bit. The sheep were never afraid to follow the shepherd. They were full of courage because the shepherd was keeping them safe. So any time they saw trouble coming, they would just go, shepherd, that's your job. Go protect me. Then they didn't say that because I don't think he could speak sheep. It's like, bleh, bleh, whatever that was. But the reality of it was that, okay, the reality of it is that when you end up in a place where it feels like we're in the valley of the shadow of death. And death may not be even physical death. 
It might be the debt of a dream. It might be the debt of a relationship. It might be the debt of a job. It might be the debt of anything. It could be anything at all. But the reality of it is it's debt. It's loss. It's all of that stuff. But what God does is he fills us with courage to face it. Because you're you're not facing it on your own. You can have this peace in the midst of madness. You can have this um, strength that you never thought you had. Back at there's a place in Acts where the apostles were praying and the building shook. Okay? And when the building shook, the Holy Spirit came. And when the Holy Spirit came, he filled them with power to go out and preach the gospel. All right? And later on, people met them. And here's what it said. It, it says in the, in the translation, says it gave them boldness to preach. We call boldness here being bold. But in that, it's about having courage. So it gave them courage to do stuff that they never ordinarily had courage to do. Okay? When they met other people later on, in John, or in Acts 4, 13, it says, people, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were astonished at Peter and John's courage. They were astonished at it. These were two people who legged it, who went around when Jesus got crucified. They were gone. Peter denied them three times. Right? So whatever happened in his life, he went from someone who was so afraid that he denied he knew Jesus to someone who would stand in front of thousands and preach a gospel. And he was full of courage. And the reality of it is that same spirit is there for you and me. And, and the question that came to me was, when was the last time someone was astonished at my courage? Or when was the last time someone was astonished at your courage? Because if we're, if we're trying to show other people that what we've got is different, then there should be something different about us. There should be something different about the way I'm living. There should be something different about the way I deal with problems. There should be something different when, when there's a, a, a massive thing looming on the horizon... I should, I should be able to look at it and deal with it in a different way to before I met Jesus. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like it shouldn't be the same. Like my, my stock answer to having problems years and years ago was I worried. I worried. I came from a family of worriers. It was hereditary, I thought. Yeah? Like my mom was a worrier, my dad was a worrier, I'm a worrier. It comes with it. And, and the reality of it is when Jesus came, he, his word tells me not to worry. It specifically says, do not worry, you Egypt. Don't worry. You're not going to change anything. You'll go bald, but it won't make anything better. Right? So it's like something has to be different. So I don't worry. And I can honestly put my hand in my heart. I genuinely don't worry. That doesn't mean it doesn't come knocking at me door. That doesn't mean that even when we look at this building, I haven't had thoughts come to me and go, oh, what are you going to do? Like, what am I going to do? God will come through. It doesn't matter what I do. The God I follow came through this much. He'll come through the next time, wherever it is. And when you get, when you get scared, when you get that worry coming at you, the questions that are going to come into your head is like, oh, what if? Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if she says this? What if he does that? I'm asking you, do you want to invite people for Easter? First thing that comes into my head is, what if they say no? If I ask them. If I get the bottle up to ask them. And then they go, no, you're mad to you. I'm not going there. So what? So what? In all honesty, is it going to kill us? Is it going to kill me? No. It's like, I, I didn't, like, I grew up in 
the Catholic Church. But I, I heard the stories about God. I heard about... Do you remember any of the stories you heard when you were a kid about God? Like any of the Bible stories? Yeah. Any of them? Yeah. Do you remember any of them now? Do you remember any of them? What did you hear? Moses, yeah. Jonah and the whale. Zacchaeus. 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 Yeah, the story, the song, yeah. <coughs> Any other ones? Noah's Ark, yeah. Okay, what was it? Noah's Ark is an interesting one, isn't it? Like you know, and we have one of them in the in the, in the crash, don't we? Yeah. Or Moses. What's the things about Moses? He parts the Red Sea. He leads a million people out of slavery. All these amazing stories about all these amazing people. Daniel and the lions. I remember that from school. They taught us that in school. I think it was in our catechism. I'm not sure. There were some of them things that stories were definitely Jonah and the whale. Definitely, um, oh, what was your yeah. All that kind of stuff. Okay. All the, right, brilliant. And the apostles. And the 12 apostles and the whole. Um, the 12, so there's these amazing stories. And Elijah. Did you ever hear the story of Elijah calling down fire from heaven? Did you never get that one? Okay. All right. You have to read that one. So there's all of these people in the scriptures that do amazing things. And nine out of ten times I look at them and go, they must have been amazing people. But they weren't. They were just ordinary people. Like Moses parted the Red Sea because God was in him and doing something through him. David defeated Goliath. David and Goliath, you heard about them? You must have heard about them. Right? Okay. Like he feeds a giant, he kills a giant. But the reality of it is, David was just an ordinary person. Elijah was just an ordinary person. Moses was just an ordinary person. Moses didn't even want the job. Yeah. Moses was like, can you not send somebody else? So it's like all of these people were normal. There's a fascinating verse in the book of James. And it says this, James 5, 7, it says, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a man who called down fire, literally set up an offering, and asked God to send fire from heaven. And fire came from heaven and burned up the offering. And he destroyed the false religion and set the people free. All right? You can read it in the Old Testament. Um, but he was just like you and me. There was nothing different. He got up in the morning times and had to put his trousers on one leg at a time. He ate, slept, went to live. All normal. He just prayed and he believed. And his thing, he believed in the God that we, that we believe in. And he had the courage to face all of these things because the God that he believed in was with him and he gave him that courage. And it's like, if I am facing the valley of the shadow of death and I won't fear any evil, then that means I can face no matter what comes, I can believe God is with me. And sometimes you can nearly go, bring it on because I want to see what God's going to do. Because this is just impossible. This is ridiculous. This is a stupid situation. There's nothing in it but bad unless God comes true. But you just watch what our God will do and what he can do. And here's the bit. I'm going to finish with this bit. This is, this is, I love this. You will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You'll anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You will prepare a, pres- a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So when people are coming to attack us, God is getting the dinner ready. And he's, not, and he's setting it out for you to sit at. So we can either get caught up 
when people are coming to attack us, our thoughts are coming to attack us, our circumstances are coming to attack us, and we can get caught up with our heads full of the worries and the mess and all of that kind of stuff and get caught into all of that, or we can sit at a table with God and have dinner and go, you take care of that. Because I can't. And the reality is, one of the best things I ever learned in life is realize what I can do something about and what I can't do something about. And when I can do something about it and I'm supposed to, well, then do that and then give the rest to God. So the stuff I can change in my life and the stuff I can't change in my life. But the stuff that God wants to change. And God wants me to go to him and go, I can't do that. This is out of my control. This is out of my power. But I just can't wait to see what you do. In the meantime, can I have fish and chips for me dinner? Because he's preparing a table in front of me. And, and if, we, if we could live in that, it would literally transform the way we live for the rest of our lives. Literally. The freedom we live in, the joy we live in. Imagine living your wife, life, wife, imagine living your life worry-free. What would that be like? Stress-free. Because stress is about trying to to kind of manage two pictures, the one that we see and the one that we want. And the bit in the middle is the tension. And it's like, if we could just go, well, there's the picture I think you want, God. And know what God wants us. And look, if we make stupid decisions and we walk ourselves into the valley of death, he'll even rescue us out of that if we call out to him. He will even rescue us out of that. But if, he's, if God leads me and here's, and, and, and yeah, we'll finish with this way. If God leads me, it's very possible God will lead me into the valley of the shadow of death. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the temptation in the wilderness for 40 days. He didn't just arrive there and was like, oh God, I didn't know you were going in there and then the Holy Spirit turned up. He led him into it. He leads you into tough times. He leads you into places where you need to grow or where you have an opportunity to grow in your trust for him. He leads us into tough things. But when we get there, we then have a choice of going, well, Jamie, I don't know how I'm going to manage this. I go, God, I'm not going to manage this, but I'm dying to see how you do. I'm dying to see how you pull it out. Woke up this morning, looked out the window, and in my head it was like, well, I cancel. Will we go? Will we cancel? Will we go? What will we do? Do you know what I mean? And then it was like, do you know what, God? Because I really believe God gave me that word for this morning. Honest to God, he gave me that word. So whoever's sitting here, or whoever's listening on this CD, then that or podcast whoever's listening this is for, for one of us or all of us yeah. and me too because the stuff in there like my courage goes I don't always I don't wake up every morning and have a bowl of courage I have porridge it doesn't always give you courage do you know what I mean the stuff that like scares me but the bit I've learned is that when I'm scared I can swing out of God I don't have to and that's why when um, the girls met on Wednesday night and then they texted me what the songs we were going to do and when you picked that song, it was like, yes, now God is greater. He is greater. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, he can do more stuff. Anything that we need, he can do. Anything. So no matter what you are facing, it doesn't matter. He can make it happen. And he can bring it to a place where we get good or bad. And out of the ashes we rise. Out of the ashes. So no matter how far it goes, so, if you're heading into the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. For God is with you. And he will protect you. And these two, the two things the devil will always stand after you is shame and guilt. And he'll destroy you with them. 
all right? But God sends goodness and mercy to follow you every day of your life. Chase you. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Follow me. That means it's going after me. It's looking to catch me. God is trying to share blessings on you. And then the last one is, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises that are in it. Thank you for that we can learn so much from you about how to have, Lord, Jesus, you came to give us eternity. And I thank you for that. And I thank you that when we leave this planet, that we go to live with you forever. But I thank you too that even here, we can have a worry-free life. We can have an anxiety-free life. Lord, we can hand them things to you. That doesn't mean we don't have problems and we don't have trouble. But in the midst of all of that, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your peace can guard our hearts and our minds in the middle of it all if we keep our mind focused on you. So I pray in Jesus' name for, for each and every one of us here in this room. For the guys in with the kids, Lord, for, and the kids themselves. That your hand would be on us, that you would guide us and protect us, that you would show us how to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how to fear no evil, and how to live a life that knows that goodness and mercy is following us every single day. Lord, I pray a blessing over everybody. I pray that you would make a face to shine upon them. I pray that you would be gracious to them and grant them peace. And I ask that you would bless them this week and get everybody home safe today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.